Any second now. Any second now. It'll hit you like a ton of bricks. And go. And go. And go. Howdy doody, neighboroonies. Welcome to the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. We have another guidance episode here for you. A very special, cool episode. I am, of course, PD Rave. With me is David Majors, aka DJM. How you doing, DJM? Pistol Pete Maravich, everybody. Uh, PD, PD, I, I noticed something. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing Fanny Pack, but, um, we, 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 uh, we, we don't have any guests. No, uh, we don't. Uh, oh, wait, you know what? You know what? No, I, I know what this is. I know what this is. And I, I just want to say, uh, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I, I knew this day was coming. Uh, you are, you are wishing me the best in my future <laughs> endeavors. Uh, I, I knew this day would come uh, once you got to uh, the rebelling network off the ground. I, I knew that, uh, that, that was, that it was only a matter of time for, for me on Fanny Pack. Now you, you and Hawkeye Jefferson go, go ahead and, and do your thing. And I, I uh, wish you both the best in, in your future endeavors. So, uh, th- thank you for, for the opportunity. And, uh, everybody, I, I will see you out there. As uh, no, that is not the case. You stay seated right there, mister. You stay right there. Oh. Uh, we okay. are doing a so special. You're, so you're not firing me, is what you're saying. No, I am not yet. Oh. Um, today we are doing a fun, uh, a little experiment. It's a fun little thought experiment. We're talking, we're looking back on an interesting promotion, a little bit of the way we did with WCW with Justin Robert Young. But a very, uh, unique promotion. Uh, we're taking this guide in to look at Wrestling Society X. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about, uh, in conjunction with that, another project called Wrestling Retribution Project, which I'll explain in a second. But first we're going to focus on Wrestling Society X. DJM, give the folks a little bit of the history behind Wrestling Society X. Wrestling Society X was a short-lived 13-episode series on music television, or MTV, as the kids like to call it, uh, from the mind of Kevin Kleinrock, uh, a man who was involved in uh, a lot of the Los Angeles, uh, California-based promotions, uh, XPW and the like. Uh, and, and later on, uh, to, to a point, he, he created this l- little program, uh, Wrestling Society X, which had quite a few of the names uh, of the indie wrestling scene uh, of various places, but a lot of them based out of California. And, uh, it was, it was damn interesting to say the least. And it was <laughs> at the time, it was a much needed breath of fresh air because at the time, this was also at the beginning of the WWE incarnation of Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW, and there was just non-stop WWE programming. And at the time, this was a wonderful, wonderful reprieve. Uh, Petey, uh, I just want to say, do you remember the very first episode of Wrestling Society X? I-, I-, I remember this very clearly. It was clear as day. Yeah, uh, it I... was on Tuesday night on MTV, mm-hmm. uh, which was the same night as ECW, which yes. was, I think, only in its maybe second or third episode. And at the time, ECW on Sci-Fi was looking 
really bad. Yeah. And I was so happy to have an alternative to turn on of all networks MTV to see this this promotion to where nobody really knew what the hell it was about. Uh, <laughs> all of the talent had signed non-disclosure agreements to MTV. It was filmed in this warehouse in California and God knows what it entailed. Yeah, it was it was a unique promotion to say the least. It was like uh the the premise of the promotion was that it was uh a secret society of uh of wrestling. Uh they 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 uh did their events in the WSX bunker and they had a a a worn out looking ring uh and they had very excited people in the audience that you know or may may that not have been on the payroll. More than likely, were not actually wrestling fans. Yeah, um, almost certainly, uh, and had a lot of uh, yelling. <laughs> uh, but a very interesting in a unique format. You know, there was a, a music performance before every episode. There was uh, the the premise was that it was very insular, almost. Uh, not quite as insular as what, uh, what we're gonna talk about later, but it was, uh, it, it was very odd. <laughs> but very but interesting it was and fun. Wonderfully odd. Yes. Uh, and again, in the wrestling mainstream, uh, I was just thinking about this right before we started. There's, there was not enough things that were odd at the time. And it, it really, it was really a breath of fresh air for its short, short run. Uh, it also, uh, along with the, the massive talent roster that it had, uh, it gave me easily, not even close to anyone else, my favorite ring announcer of all time, <laughs> the legendary Fabian Kalen. This guy. <laughs> Holy crap, this guy. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about, he was a ring announcer, part hype man, part MC. This guy did it all. He, he was Gavin Loudspeaker before there was a Gavin Loudspeaker. And Fabian yeah. Kalen was quite simply the man. And <laughs> he fits so perfectly with Everything else in Wrestling Society X. He was so not the standard ring announcer. And that's why, that's what made him so awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, one of those things where, uh, he was, uh, very, very in your face. Uh, very animated. Uh, very, very over the top. He really got into every announcement. And emphasized every other, every other word. And he really I, I've, sold I that. that so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was another fantastic unique. And, you know, there was oh, so many actually yes. a while ago, like maybe two or three years ago, there, there was a thread on a forum that I used to go to. Uh, and I mentioned in a thread, Holy crap, Wrestling Society X. They had the greatest ring announcer ever in Fabian Kalen. He was amazing. 
And then like, I guess a day later, he sent me an email and was like, dude, thanks. Appreciate it. And that was, that was one of those moments where I, I just kind of, I, I had an indie wrestling nerdgasm from that. <laughs> yeah. It, it was uh, definitely a unique aspect of it. And they, you know, on other aspects of the, uh, promotion, they had the music performances before every, uh, events, even having the, the artist, uh, you know, uh, sit in on commentary. So he has Zach Wild on comment, uh, on color commentary, uh, for, for a wrestling event. Uh, a, a lot of these ideas were probably from Kevin Kleinrock, but at the same time, a lot of them were probably from MTV, like having the music artists on commentary. Because, you know, wrestling commentary is easy. Anyone can sit down and do it. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a thing that probably should not have gotten the green light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, well, the music performances, uh, themselves were really cool. Cause I think that that added to the atmosphere to, of the, of the event in, uh, overall, which, uh, was the lively, energetic, over the top. They had pyro. <laughs> Did we can we talk about the the pyro, the random pyro that they had all the time to, to emphasize uh big moves, like that is one of those things that boggles the mind how they were able to do that and that they thought to do that. I, I think that this that was probably an example. Of what I envision pro wrestling at its best to be. And essentially that is live action Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Uh, complete with explosions for extremely powerful moves. And I remember at the time, uh, especially with the very first episode of the show, just having my mind blown at how utterly insane it was and I, I remember just craving more uh, seeing all of these guys from the indies and, and various other places on tv one made me so happy because here were these guys that i knew about now everyone else can be introduced to them yeah and then you've got explosions you've got a ladder match you got this crazy ass ring announcer and just Right from go, I, I was, I was in. And I, I think even more than just the overall presentation, it had such a unique talent roster that that yeah. was, there, there was nothing else like that at the time. And no. even now where you have a talent roster this diverse. Yeah. It is. Like you can't, they had, uh, you know, all the, like the names like, uh, Tyler Black, uh, they had the disco machine and Joey Ryan from, uh, PWG fame. Uh, they had just incredible Tyler on Black. there. Tyler Black, of course, now known as Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Yeah. Uh, Matt Seidel, more, more commonly known as Evan Bourne. You got Matt, uh, Matt M Dog 20, uh, Cross, uh, New Jack. Uh, we have guys like Ricky Banderas, uh, you know, aka also, some- also, uh, in a mask, strangely enough, Sarah Del Rey. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the role of Nick Grimes. But uh, I would be remiss if I did not talk about uh, the legend now. Uh, the modern-day legend, you could almost call him, uh, who retired, some might say, far too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, the only, the human tornado. Yes, the and human tornado. The, yes. I cannot tell you how happy I was to see the human tornado on national wrestling television. Yes. I was overjoyed. I was hoping that tornado would become a millionaire. Uh, I mean, not from pimping, but from wrestling. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, human I tornado. Mean, the man with tornado, the balls of steel. <laughs> the man with the balls of steel. Uh, from Hollywood, Alabama, as he was announced, because we couldn't say the name of the city he was announced from in PWG. We we can't say that one. Uh, Human Tornado, uh, the Dragon Gate tag team, like the the most epic of epic drag Dragon Gate tag teams. Uh, Naruki Doi and Masato Yoshino. Uh, I think um Genki Horiguchi was also there. Who's who's awesome? The man that. Uh, made the beach break move famous. Uh, Ken yeah. Chaos, uh, Joey Ryan, like you mentioned, Jack Evans from the heavens, the Washington Warrior, uh, the, one of the biggest dudes in Mexico now. I mean, Sean Waltman, Sean freaking <laughs> Waltman was on this show. Yeah, and Vampiro. Ruckus. Ruckus. Uh, Somebody Ruckus. thought it was a good idea to put Ruckus on national TV. <laughs> uh, I tell you, if if this show had gone more than a couple of seasons. God knows what Ruckus would have done. I mean, I, I, God love him. I, I love Ruckus and I love the blackout, but I, I was afraid of the idea of him being on television. I, I was yeah. just afraid of that, but I think uh, that, in a positive way. Yes. Uh, I think it, what would have helped him out is the fact that it was an edited show. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, it had guys like Vampiro, you know, Scorpio Sky. Uh, Teddy Hart, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Teddy Hart! <laughs> wow. God. All this show needed was Reckless Youth or something. <laughs> this was like the, the, the who's who. Eric Cannon! Eric Cannon Eric was Cannon. on this show. Yeah, Eric Cannon, uh, the anarchist. Uh, this was a who's who of indie wrestling at the time, and the fact that it didn't Spider not... Nate Webb! Spider Nate... <laughs> Josh Raymond and his mustache before the house of truth. Oh my yes. God. I'm just, I'm just like all of these names and Puma. Well, when TJ Perkins was still Puma, holy crap. Yeah. Oh my God. Just, just everything about this was, was so good. Puma, which not to be confused with Puma man of MST3K fame. Uh, Puma man. He flies like a moron. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, had had my MST3K moment for there, uh, right there. Uh, but yeah, they had a stacked roster, who's who of indie wrestling, and it was just like, it was sad that it didn't last, uh, with that format, because it, 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 these were guys that, it was, I have to say that this was one of those uh, promotions that was my initial exposure to a lot of these guys. Uh, it was like this was between. My getting into classic uh, <laughs> friend of uh Cole Cabana, Matt Classic. Uh <laughs> this was between the brief time when I had uh Major League Wrestling uh locally 
and when I got into indie wrestling recently, this was like that another point where I was like, I finally got to see some like, you know, indie wrestling talent, uh, which was, uh, interesting. Where I, I really like that perspective, uh, from you, PD, uh, because for me, it was, because I, I had been in indie wrestling and known so many of these guys. It, it was really, really interesting uh, to see what they were going to do on this show. Like, how is how are Ruckus and the Human Tornado going to do anything on cable television? <laughs> how is anyone going to pull that off? New Jack, for that matter. How is that going to happen? And... Honestly, like, I remember specifically the tag team doing it for her. Uh, Jimmy yes. Jacobs and Tyler Black. Uh, the, yes. the tag team that, uh, that became the, the precursor to the Age of the Fall in Ring of Honor. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs was doing it for her. Uh, and, and then when she wasn't interested, he formed the Age of the Fall. Yes. So, yeah, th- there were so many guys that, um, that were on the show for me it was so great to see them have this outlet especially the dragon gate guys because yeah. this was the first time that the dragon gate guys had a real large level exposure uh the ring of honor thing was kind of in a bubble uh dragon gate usa wasn't anywhere really around yet uh, but, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing the Dragon Gate guys on MTV was really cool. If only they could have gotten BB Hulk. Oh yes. my God. That would have been amazing. Yes. BB uh, Hulk as like this mega pop star on this wrestling show on MTV. God, that would have been brilliant. And I'm sorry, everybody. I'm like going into total crazy nutball smart mark fantasy booking mode, but this <laughs> roster was just that ridiculous. Yes, uh, you know, having that, that, uh, bringing over that, uh, J-pop gimmick would have been hilarious, uh, and awesome. Uh, at, like on that oh. DDT episode, DDT, uh, show we watched. For, for those where... that don't know, I, I am absolutely madly in wrestling nerd love with BB Hulk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Dragon Gate is just a fun promotion. Uh, we're looking forward to talking about Dragon Gate USA pretty soon, but, uh, we we should do Dragon Gate proper. I, I want to do Dragon Gate proper. Oh yeah, that that is the plan. We're gonna see uh, who we can uh, mu- who we can gather together to to expose to Dragon Gate proper. But we'll do that. We'll do that definitely. Um, and, and like I said, it was my I, I am not from the Northeast, uh, as uh, some might know. Uh, I am from the Southeast, uh, Miami, and the Florida is a wrestling hotbed. South Florida, not so much. Uh, so there's not really a lot of wrestling down here. If there's any wrestling happening on a local level, it's not necessarily broadcast here unless it was Sunshine Network <laughs> and it was ECW on Sunshine Network or it was Major League Wrestling on Sunshine Network. And that was just because Sunshine Network was all over the entire state of Florida. Uh, and didn't have to be syndicated to, you know, specific, uh, regions. So I didn't have that experience. So when, uh, between major league wrestling and finally, you know, having the, uh, really having the internet and having an exposure to indie wrestling, this was 
a nice look into some of these talents. It was a lot, a, a fair amount of these guys were my first exposure on this show. And I'm going to imagine, especially guys like Tyler Black, uh, aka Seth Rollins, uh, I'm going to say Eric Cannon. This is the first time I saw Eric Cannon. Um, how's it? Yeah, it was, and it was sad that it, it how was, much of Human Tornado did you see like after Wrestling Society X? I tried to, uh, as much as I could, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I know that I kept track and I knew when he retired, uh, you know, I found out about that fairly around the time he retired. So I was keeping track. I don't know how many matches I watched, but I was keeping track. That, that I, was a dark, dark day for an indie wrestling fan. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was racist. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just, I just have to like go on and on about human tornado for a minute. There was a time where human tornado was like the most sought after dude on the indies. I remember very clearly, uh, after Wrestling Society X was over, uh, when Tornado was announced to be debuting for Ring of Honor, like the whole internet just like stood up and belly clapped that yes. Ring of Honor had finally come to their senses and started booking Human Tornado. And it was like the greatest thing ever. And all right, I, I think I'm done like, Marking the hell out for human tornado. I think I'm yes. Yes. For, for now. For now. Uh, and, and, and it's, uh, what do you think? And I think we could, uh, mark the actual, you know, it's been documented what the, uh, immediate reason, or at least the, the given reason was for, uh, it kind of being scurried out the door, uh, which was the, uh, the match between, uh, Ricky Banderas and, uh, I believe Vampiro. Uh, where they did the flash paper, <laughs> uh, spot. And that one, that got pulled off the air. And then shortly after that, the whole show got kind of scurried out the door and, uh, given the boot. Do put you on think MTV, put on MTV eight, the Ocho? Yeah. Uh, do you think, do you buy that that was the reason or do you, what do you think was the reason it kind of just got scurried, you know, out of the way and gotten rid of. I think that it is a combination of a bunch of things. I think that might be part of it, but I think overall the, the big thing may have simply been that old killer, the ratings. Yeah. It probably did very well with one particular audience, but it did not attract the MTV audience. And if you're not attracting the audience that MTV wants, you're probably not going to be on their network for very long. Yeah. Uh, which is a tough, it's a kicker. It's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack. Well, I mean, not too tough nut to crack, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, but it's a tough pill to crack. Yes. As they say. <laughs> uh, it's a tough crack to smoke. I smoke cracks. Um, but. And but it was uh, the cool thing about the the wrestling about Wrestling Society X is that it was an interesting format. You know, it was uh, action packed half an hour of wrestling, uh, all packed into you know one show, just kind of just jammed in there uh, with as much pomp and circumstance as possible. Uh, It was like 
uh, it, it was a unique format, and I think it was. Uh, I'm glad it was done. You can give it. You can you know the whole whether the circ- you know, the actual presentation worked, what parts worked, and what parts didn't. You can debate, but uh, I'm glad it, it existed. And I think unique formats, unique ways of doing things. Uh, you can uh, document with Wrestling Retribution Project. Uh, or formerly known as the Wrestling Revolution Project. How much have you heard of, of this? And I could give you kind of the rundown since I actually watched it happen. <laughs> I um, I remember this. I remember the Kickstarter. I remember Joshua Katz. Uh, I remember pretty much everything from the beginning and it developing buzz and then disappearing. And then I remember seeing his roster and thinking, wow, this is a really intriguing roster. I mean, it had guys like uh, Joey Ryan and Chris Masters and Emil Satoshi from the Netherlands, Amazing Red, uh, Dari Davari, and a, lo- a lot of really interesting talent on, on one on one show, uh, including yeah. guys like MVP and, and Kenny Dykstra, and, <laughs> and also also. Fangirl scream, Kenny Omega. Ah! Yes, <laughs> Kenny Omega. Oh, that's a wonderful thing to to, to see there. Uh, and I'll give the the rundown. Yeah, it, it all started when Christian got his first championship title reign, his first world heavyweight championship title reign. Uh, not too long ago, for those that uh, may or may not remember, he won the title one day. Then two days later, uh, in real time, and I think, what, what is it? How many days is it from Sunday to Friday? Or from Sunday to Thursday? Whatever that day, many days in canon, uh, he lost the title again. And, to uh, Randy Orton. To Randy Orton. And, Who uh, everything. And Jeff Katz lost it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Katz, uh, the guy that was, uh, behind this, uh, he lost, and I had been following him, and he's. Were, were just... you on the in, Were you on the internet and in the in, internet wrestling community when that happened to PD? Because I was oh my tangentially. god, tangentially, I yeah. can honestly say I've never seen the internet that mad ever, and I was there for when Brian Danielson got released after the whole thing with the Nexus. I'm saying when Christian lost the world title, I've never, ever, 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 ever seen the internet that mad. And the fact that Jeff Katz did this in light of what happened there, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm really not surprised. Yeah. Because I, I remember I was there and I was mad too. I was so <laughs> mad. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, a wild time. He gets pissed. He says, alright, I'm gonna do something different. Screw it. I'm gonna do something different. I'm doing my own thing. Doing my own wrestling thing. And he announced that he was going to do a wrestling, you know, product in a unique format. He said that he was just gonna just take it down, put it into a seasonal, you know, 13 episode, three part, you know, three act story arc. Uh, serial format wrestling program with its own fiction, uh, with its own, you know, characters, all, you know, using the wrestlers as actors. And 
he says, you know, I'm just going to do this. I mean, it's you know, like if it's Mad Men or like any other television on the, on the, on, te- you know, any, any other show on television, uh, any other cable television show, just 13 episodes, serialized, uh, you know, self-contained seasons. Uh, somebody pointed, I know, I know one of the Chikar mem- uh, roster members pointed out that they do <laughs> 13 episodes, self-contained seasons. Uh, but yeah, he still went on forward with his, vision of it and he started a kickstarter started announcing the roster and the characters that they were playing uh you know like i said mvp uh you know guys like kenny omega uh chris masters uh chris hero uh and they were all playing completely different characters from their normal wrestling characters which was really really fascinating yeah you know Uh, Honestly, all of this had so much potential to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and he got his Kickstarter fully funded uh, through some, I believe, uh, big chunks were given by uh, anonymous donors. But he got his uh, money. They, you know, they they had uh, the production. They had it done. They recorded all the episodes. Uh, they, you know. Uh, leaked some parts in order to get people excited about, you know, the Joey Ryan storyline about the fact that Joey Ryan was actually going to play, be playing a gay wrestler that, uh, has him, you know, is, uh, made to come out, is outed and that how that was going to be treated and, f- uh, fairly. So that got people excited and interested, uh, especially, you know, things like the fact that Davari was not going to play an evil Middle Easterner. <laughs> Like yes, Dara Davari's name was Ferris Gotch. Yes, more than likely the the long lost grandson of Frank Gotch or something. Yeah, and he was just the fact that Dara Davari was not going to play an evil <laughs> evil uh, Middle Easterner was it was something that got people excited. You know, guys like Amazing Red. Uh, you know, it, it was, and, and you know, you as you saw the teaser images, as you saw the. The pieces of footage that they, they, they shared, whatever they shared, um, got people excited. And then nothing happened. <laughs> absolutely nothing happened. Not a thing. Yeah. And people were wondering, it's like there was absolute radio silence. There was no announcement of maybe cancellation. There was no delay announcement. There was nothing. Jeffrey Katz's Twitter account was, uh, silent. For the longest time, it was there, but he hadn't updated it, and people were starting to wonder. And this was, and it, and one of the things that I realized, it started to become the actuality of uh, a joke. Uh, both of us are a fan of, as we mentioned before, we're fans of the show NSFW show. Uh, one of the things that they made humor of was the at the time seemingly. Uh, Seemingly unfounded fear of Kickstarter projects never, uh, manifesting themselves, uh, which was that they had the jingle with a uh, Mike TV of Get Set Go, uh, where it was Kickstarter, where dreams come true, unless it doesn't come out. <laughs> and that was the humor for that episode, that, that, that moment. And it was hilarious. And, and then we have this where it becomes, real <laughs> this you know if people wanted to point out the the, the you know, kickstarter projects that hey didn't work out 
this was starting to become that. Uh, and people started to realize, wait, what's going on? Uh, lamenting the problem, like, uh, Sugar Dunkerton, ex- uh, lamented, uh, the fact that there's so much money was put into this. And imagine if, say, Chikara had that money. Imagine if, uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla had the money that this project was able to, uh, gather. Uh, you know, any of these promotions, if they had that money, imagine that, like, that money was just kind of disappeared. And people, yeah, people... Now, I, I have to ask, in the case of the Kickstarter, did the people that donated get their money back, or no? Alright, so not yet, but uh, here's what uh, we finally found out. Apparently, they ran out of money before they could finish the project. Apparently, and then uh, a lot of things happened to Jeffrey Katz personally and financially, where he was drained of his money, apparently, uh, through various facts. I don't have uh, the exact list. They, they had an announcement on their uh, Kickstarter page that explained everything. And they say, and here's the thing, that they have the big update. They say that uh, they're going to come out they're fine they're actually going to gather the things together and finally release the content and that the everyone that contributed to the kickstarter is going to get their money back that is uh the claim <laughs> uh again i haven't heard and anything how, you how long ago was that this was in uh july of this year so uh uh, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens for sure. Uh, but it was definitely something that had a lot of potential and could still have a lot of potential. But even with, even if it does come out, there's really no, nothing to say that it will realize that potential given what the rocky road that it went through. And that's kind of sad. I mean, at this point, it's pretty much the idea that I think most people that were interested in it have moved on and have just chalked this up to just another one of those things that you hear about in wrestling that never comes to fruition. Yeah. It was, which, like I said, I'm with Sugar Duncan. Imagine if, <laughs> imagine if Chikara was given a hundred thousand dollars of money to work with. Imagine if Pro Wrestling Grill, I, you know what? Chikara should start a Kickstarter for their next season. Like, you know, Dude, Pro Wrestling I, I would, I would donate to a Chikara Kickstarter tomorrow. Yeah. And that is genuine. Yeah. I would, I would give, I don't know. I would give my, like, uh, I, I would give my left testicle to Chikara and then they would look at me and go, we don't and need say, your testicle. Why, why would you do that? Do you go put your testicle back in? We we yeah. only want a couple of bucks, weirdo. Yeah. And then I'd have to put it back in and go. Okay, here's my money. <laughs> but I did yeah. you wash your hands? Yes. Uh, okay. Oh yes. Here's uh, use some sanitizer. Um. But yeah, if if uh, if that money could have gone to like a, a promotion, any promotion, and they could have just used that. BWG could use that money, you know, to, I mean, not that they would ever really want to or, or, or obsessed about money, but imagine what they could do with that. Like, uh, 
it it had so much potential. Just the story of it, uh, the personality of it looked cool. Uh, I, they they finally released the uh, one of the uh, matches, and there was a lot of really cool aspects to it. And if it had just come out. <laughs> Chances are it would have gained some momentum and probably been able to do more things beyond it. But because of the debacle that it created, we won't find out. We won't know. And that's that kind of sad. <laughs> um, do you, uh, do you have any more thoughts about what it could have been? Or uh, do you have any more thoughts about the possibility of creating new, uh, ways to approach wrestling as a whole? Whether it's, you know, I how wrestling want, society is. I want more than anything for people that dare to have a creative mind in the world of pro wrestling to just go for it. Because the thing about wrestling for me right now is that there is nothing I want more than an alternative to the mainstream. And there are people out there that aren't that are just like me who want an alternative from the mainstream. And when there are things that say they are an alternative to the mainstream and then they turn out to turn out not to be, it's really upsetting. Uh, I try my best not to be cynical when there is a new concept in wrestling because this genre is so desperate and starved for new concepts and new ideas and someone to come along and dare to reinvent the wheel and wrestling society X for only 13 episodes dared to do that. The wrestling retribution project tried very hard to do that, but it failed. Uh, Right now there really isn't uh, much, yeah, there's high there concept in wrestling. Yeah, uh, everyone's just trying to find the right formula to to stay safe, and I think the worst thing you can do in any kind of anything out there that involves performing is to look for a route that stays safe. Yeah, and that's the last thing I want as a fan. Yeah, I mean, there there are interesting things. Of course, you know, you've got the old standbys that are out there, like we mentioned. Uh, we've got something like Beyond Wrestling, who at least are trying to take advantage of YouTube in a way and using new formats and using new ways. There are set, like, you can go in, and, and I highly recommend it. Go, if you like a really, want to see a really awesome, hard-hitting match, uh, and you listen to our review of American Rana, go get on Beyond Wrestling's YouTube. You can buy for $3, three measly dollars, uh, you can rent, uh, Eddie Edwards versus Biff Busick. I, $3 is more than enough, more than worth, uh, the price of admission for Eddie Edwards versus Biff Busick, as you may have, uh, listened to on our Beyond Wrestling episode. Uh, and you can get both versions of that and they are, and they have, and you go ahead and subscribe to them. They are offering free matches and they have their show all killer, which is an hour long, you know, free wrestling event. That is, uh, that is at least trying something new format wise. 
experimenting, moving forward. Uh, hopefully we'll see more promotions try to do things that are different. Maybe, maybe staying, maybe not relying on physical media, <laughs> uh, for their revenue and actually just say, here's a crazy idea. Have an event on Friday or Saturday. Have the VOD on Monday. That Monday. Spend the weekend editing. Have it out on Monday. Boom. Like, while the buzz is still hot, get get that easy to get download for everybody to watch. How about that? That be the next thing. But, uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I think that's all there's really to say, right, David? That's all I got. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, DJM, what's going on over at Delta Julian, Mike? I know you got some exciting stuff going on over there. Why, yes, I do, PD Rave, including my first of two episodes talking with FSL Tonight's Tom Merritt and Justin Robert Young. Uh, PD, you know, uh, this is something I don't always disclose, but my day job is that I am the, the analyst and, and lead correspondent and, and, and news writer for, uh, the International Anime League, uh, mm-hmm. for Dragon Sports Talk Radio, home of FSL Tonight. I, I cover the International Anime League for, for Dragon Sports and the Dragon Sports Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom and Justin, uh, came out to Japan. Uh, f- with me for the International Anime League. Uh, the, the semifinals, uh, the, the final four is up right now on DeltaJulietMike.com where Tom, Justin, and I, uh, go over the, the final four matches. And, uh, next week we, we talk about the championship round. Uh, I, I think Tom and Justin, they, they enjoyed themselves, uh, up in the press box at the Tokyo Dome. And, uh, you can hear all about that. On the International Anime League special with the hosts of FSL Tonight, all on the interwebs at DeltaJulietMike.com. Yes, kids, I did a podcast with Justin and Tom. Yes, yes I did. Uh, and I have to say, you know, Dragon Sports Talk Radio is a fantastic company to work for. You know, of course, uh, you work with the International Anime League. I do a lot of their uh, free agent scouting uh, I, I was keeping my eye on the final four out there. You know, there's, there's some interesting talents out there. Some wild cards. Vegeta, you know, as you discussed, uh, on the show, Vegeta is kind of a wild card, but could contribute to a team. We'll have to see. And, and PD, PD, like I said, one on one, Goku or Clark Kent. Who you got, PD Rave? Everyone knows where I stand. Who do you have, PD? Um, I'm leaning towards Goku. Uh, I think he has, <laughs> there we a, go. Yeah. He, has the, he has the less con- the conventional, uh, play style. Uh, Clark Kent has a very conventional, very straightforward play style, which works for him. But if he, you know, encounters somebody that, you know, does that Eastern style, you know, that Eastern style of, you know, that, uh, wide eye offense. Wide as you eye. Wide yeah. The wide eye. Uh, you know, can he handle? Can he adapt? I don't know. We'll have to see, but I don't think he can adapt. I think Goku brings enough of a unique new offense, relatively new. I mean, he's been around for a while, but relatively new compared to somebody like Clark Kent. I think, uh, he's got the edge. He's got the edge. 
But we would have to see. Maybe in the future on FSL tonight. You never know who gets elevated, who gets relegated. but And who might get drafted. You never know. Of course, you can find me at PD Rave on everywhere. Just P- look for PD Rave. PD is in Williams. Rave is in Jimmy, all in one word. About that me slash that. Uh, Twitter.com slash that. Whatever the, the case may be. Uh, you can find the show, fannypackwrestling.com. Uh, you know, rebelli.net is the Rebelli Podcast Network. All of it together. Uh, be sure to check out Juku if you happen to be a K-pop, East Asian pop culture fan. Uh, we talked about Top's new album, so, and we got, uh, me and Kaz, g- uh, giggled like little school children about Top's new album, and it's kind of adorable and hilarious, and you should check oh, it out. Petey, I've been meaning to ask you, as I've talked about this, uh, on the show that I do with Kaz, shooting the shit with two nerdy black guys, uh, he knows that I am a big fan of one, Chiari Pamu Pamu. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Chiari? I think she has, I think it's, there's nothing but fun to be had with Kyari Pami Pamu. Like, I have no reason to dislike her, and I have a bunch of reasons to like her. Other people might feel this differently, but I, 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 all I, all I gather is fun and positivity. So I can't complain. <laughs> I can't complain at all. Uh, but hopefully we will bring her up. We, I've been meaning to introduce more Japanese culture. We've been very K-oriented, very, uh, focused on the ROK, the Republic of Korea. Uh, we'll, we'll introduce some Japanese stuff soon. Maybe. <laughs> but check that all, all out on Rebelli.net. All the things. Follow all the things. Click the buttons with the things that make them gray and go blue. Until next time. Hasta los huevos. Human Tornado could have been a legend.